This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? Marvel costumes, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
for my first pick, I'm going to have to go with a Daredevil's costume from Daredevil. thought it was a great costume. You almost have two versions of it. I guess I would say both when he's wearing at first just like the black fabric. And you're like, okay, he's... Um, it seems dark, mysterious, but definitely um, I got to thinking about it again. I saw a guy cosplaying as Daredevil, but he had a uh, uh, – I can't remember what it said. It was like Save Daredevil. Save Daredevil. Save Daredevil. Uh, and it made me think about how awesome the mask was with the little horns on it. I was like, oh, Daredevil's adorable, although I'm assuming that's not what he was going for. Um Definitely think it could have been higher on the list, but I'm going to go with that first just because uh, you even had that whole uh, fiasco of the guy that was making it and how he made those sort of things all the time. And, well, we know that uh, Frank kind of ruined the first costume just a little bit. But uh, I think I think it's going to be a great way to start the top ten, but I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back. <laughs> yes, you can pat yourself on the back for that one. Um, I I was trying to sit there and think of also other defenders, but in reality, Daredevil is the only one who actually wore a costume. It was hilarious during the actual Defenders show on Netflix because everyone else was pretty much in street clothes, and there you have Matt Murdock running around in his Daredevil suit. But, yeah, I loved it. Um, I love the tactical tacticalness of it, um, I want to say, but that it wasn't a, like, say, bright, bright red. It was more of a darker red, more of a burgundy almost, and I liked that. I liked uh, the the horns, as you would say. I really liked his costume. I thought that for a TV show, for a street-level superhero, that it was really just an awesome choice to go with, and I liked how... Uh, Netflix decided to tackle that just because they didn't go, say, with, like, the more traditional comic book, uh, say, accurate Daredevil costume, which I'm sure pissed someone off or something, but I don't give a shit because I really liked it. It's the internet. Someone's always pissed off. That is the truth. That is absolutely the damn truth. But, yeah, I think that this is an awesome way to uh, start everything off. I'm Still sitting here with my fingers crossed that we will get to see Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock again just because it was too good not to have him in. And honestly, I think that that costume would go perfectly, say, with the movie verse. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. Um, I feel like there has been plenty of other costumes that wouldn't be anywhere compared to how nice his is. It's very a... Uh, street level hero type costume very light very uh beaten up thugs maybe not quite <laughs> facing what captain uh america and them were facing with but i think it would be great it's funny um passing this mic back and forth i feel like i'm interviewing you if anything else <laughs> when we both kind of hold it up to both our face it makes me think of like spice girls or something where they're holding the mic up singing into it oh god are we gonna start singing no no uh, <laughs> Just to show people out there that we are not going to pick just Marvel. Um, 
I'm going to pick Dick Grayson's Robin outfit from DC Universe's uh, Titans, just because, to me, whenever you think of Robin, you always think of, like, a really campy type of Wonder Boy type of uh, costume, you know, kiddish, it's yellow and green and red, you know, I don't know, just, I think of the Adam West TV show for some reason, but... I think in DC Universe Titans, they did a really good job of keeping a lot of the traditional Robin costume, but also making it very adult and darkish. And I just think that that actor, which I can't think of his name right now, but the actor who plays Dick Grayson, um, I think he just made it look really badass. And I know that you haven't watched Titans, (laughs) Brittany, but... You know, in general, from what I've shown you for Titans or even, say, like, Doom Patrol, would you agree that DC University app seems to have a pretty good handle on the costumes, you know, for their shows? I do think so. I think it would be very easy to go the campy route with Robin with the uh, tie the little cape, the, uh, which, in the words of Edna Mode, is no cape. I know she hasn't seen Incredibles, but she has no. this whole thing about do not wear a cape because it's literally going to get you killed. It gets caught on things. It gets <laughs> you killed. Villains can grab it. But, no, I, I think I've actually seen that costume. It looked great. Um, I like the way that a lot of uh, hero movies and uh, TV shows have really tried to they realize that so much of the heroes is the costume. It's the persona that I put on. And so I think it's great to have something a little more uh, adult looking, a little more not so campy uh, and maybe not make Robin such the uh, boy scout. So, well, essentially the joke of everything. I mean, that's what Robin has been known as. That was why, say, uh, Christopher Nolan was so adamant about never really putting Robin in his movies, but perhaps if he had seen what DC Universe was capable of, they would have actually done it because there was a way to do that costume and not make it look uh, just childish, you know? And I want to even say Jason Todd's Robin, like his version of the Robin outfit is really good. Um, I'm not sh- and actually I- I'm not sure if it happens yet just because I haven't caught up on Titans, which I know is bad. I really like the show, but I know that from set photos that we're getting Nightwing finally, and even that looks great. So I just think that DC Universe has a really good grasp of what they're doing right now with the whole. I want to say DC Universe, but not the app. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, uh, I remember watching Teen Titans as a kid, and when they do that in the future, uh, where you see Nightwing, and it was when I didn't even know what Nightwing was, and I was like, what? You know, he's always going to be Robin, and to always see how that's going on looks absolutely great. Uh, and so just to see him, and normally the outfit for him is great, so I think it's going to be fairly easy and kind of a self-safe or self-proof costume for him to be wearing for it absolutely absolutely yeah i really enjoy it um i will say that some of the costumes on titans look a little cosplayish, but his really good <laughs> but yeah his, his is great so um that is my number nine i have a feeling that this is going to be a lot quicker than we normally do just because we're in person and we're talking about the costumes and everything like that but it's all right so 
let's go to your number eight pick and what you got for us. I actually feel a little inspired now that we're on DC. Uh, <laughs> I guess I wouldn't have a particular uh, I you know it's the video games. There is uh, some animated cartoons of it. So I'm gonna go with Red Hood because I love his costume. How he's kind of got that. Uh, well, mostly it's the helmet I love so much. It looks almost like a like a face mask. A um, and that's we saw. Uh, What's his name from Supernatural? Uh, Jensen Ackles. Jensen Ackles, who I think would make an amazing redhead. And maybe now that he's uh, freed up from Supernatural, he could do that. But um, I always thought the studio where he's in Arkham Origins, uh, I always thought it was such a great costume in general for him. He has that, uh, it's basically him snapping and telling Batman, hey, you you could have killed these people and put them out. He was basically the Punisher. He has this Punisher moment where he's like, I'm going to put these villains down for good. And I think it's good that uh, with that costume, it is very much a, a, mil- a military aesthetic. Like, he's very like a shoot 'em up type person. And I think he even says, he's like, I'm not running around in tights anymore. You know, I basically, I'm a man, and I'm not going to dress up like a bat to get done what I want to be done. Holy shit. Um, it's so funny, actually, So because I know that the internet is pining for Jensen Ackles to play a Red Hood in a live-action capacity, but anytime I talk about it, say, to Juwan, they hate the idea. Like, absolutely hate the idea, because they want, say, Red Hood to be younger, but to me, I like the idea of bringing in Jensen Ackles. Oh, that would have been a perfect thing, now that I'm thinking about it for the upcoming CW Crisis on Infinite Earths. I mean, we have Tom Welling coming in. Brandon Routh is going to be reprising his role as Superman. They even have that one woman playing Huntress from a failed Birds of Prey show back, like, 20 years ago. So that would have actually been a perfect opportunity for them to introduce a Red Hood from a separate universe with Jensen Ackles, considering it's also CW, you know? Well, also you have the older Batman, that so it's a little bit easier to put in someone that's going to be a little older of a Red Hood in that aspect, because if it would be about, uh, I don't know how old he is, but if he's in his 50s and he's in his 30s, Jensen Ackles, it would be a good way to be like, oh, he's 20 years older, and I think that would fall in right around the same uh timeline for it. Well, I know Jensen Ackles is in his 40s, but he could play a younger guy. They don't have to be completely accurate. And my whole thing is that I think Juwan and, like, say, the other uh, guys from uh, Geek Vibes is that they are looking for more of a world building. You have to have Batman first, and then you have to go to Nightwing, and then you have to go to Jason Todd. But I don't think the world is ready to wait. You know, we had something with Marvel where we waited now 10 years, but the unfortunate thing is I just don't think other uh, comic book universes, they like DC, ha- can wait right now. I don't think that they should speed things up necessarily like they did with Justice League. They needed to wait a little bit more with that. But I don't think that there's any reason necessarily to wait <laughs> that long. But it might be a little difficult now that we have Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne. You would have to introduce a much younger Red Hood. But if they want to do a one-off just like they're doing, say, with the Joker – they could do that, you know? I was going to say that was what I was just about to say about the Joker was great because 
as anybody that's wrote fan fiction, <laughs> one shots are a great way to just get an idea out there and not have to do a whole full story to it. But to do a one shot with Red Hood would be great. You don't have to think of the logistics of everything, every last detail. You just throw it in and let it be. But I don't know if it's because Joker's just using the name and, and the look mostly for it. But I want a Red Hood killing people. Is that too much to ask <laughs> Well, I mean, they continuously have these one-shot um, animated movies. I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't do one-shot live-action movies, um, simply for the fact that if Joker does well, this could be something that DC sees, and they're like, okay, we can build, say, a Batman universe, because I know that Matt Reeves is planning on doing a trilogy with his Robert Pattinson, but that doesn't mean that then you can't do, say, individual DC movies and have a Red Hood. At this point, Marvel has done something very special with being able to do this huge connected universe and for it to last as long, for it to have all these upcoming phases, but that doesn't mean that the other... um, you know, God, what are they called? The other studios need to follow suit. Just make good movies. At this point, don't even worry about connecting them. Just make good movies. I feel like people didn't care as much about that until the Marvel Cinematic Universe where everything had to be... Right, because we had separate movies all the time. Yeah, it's like until that point... We didn't have to worry about what each movie was doing. And I was afraid for a second that look Tia gave me. I was like, oh, no, is that what she already said? But I love it. Uh, I do think that uh, we we didn't have that moment until now where everything, every last detail, every last Easter egg, every last little thing had to be connected. And now people are so overly concerned about it. Just make a good movie. We're going to buy it. Well, I think that also it goes into the fact that all right, I'm going to get hate for this, but I feel like I'm probably always going to get hate for this. But Zack Snyder came in, and, you know, he had a plan for everything, but his plan's not happening anymore, so people need to get over it. And I think my whole point is that the connected world that Zack Snyder intended to do is not going to happen anymore. So we have to move on from that Um, at this point is, the Aquaman movie even connected, the Shazam movie, the, um, the, the, the Wonder Woman movie. I think at this point, instead of worrying about them being connected, just create their own little world. Like, obviously, Wonder Woman's going to be its own separate world. Aquaman's going to be its own separate world. Shazam, Black Adam, and then they're coming out with Birds of Prey. And I don't think anyone's really concerned with connecting, say, Birds of Prey to the Justice League world. If anything, it's connected to the Suicide Squad world, and that's just going to be, be its own separate entity at this point. That Birds of Prey movie, didn't you mean the Harley Quinn movie? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It just, uh, that's a, I guess that's a story for another day. But, yes. Yeah. I love you picking Red Hood, and as much as Jawan and everyone else hates it, I, I want Jensen Ackles. Jensen Ackles has not signed up for anything else. Like, Jared Padalecki has a new project coming up after Supernatural, but Jensen Ackles right now is just doing his uh, beer uh, company, which is awesome, but... If we want to see him in something else, I mean, and I think that Jensen would love to play Red Hood in the live-action capacity. 
he's uh, just living Dean's dream of being <laughs> here all day and having a good time. Did I ever tell you that I looked to see if his beer could be, like, shipped or something up here? I would love to taste it. I mean, it's, but it's in Texas, and it's based in Texas. So I guess uh, next time, Brittany, you're in Texas, you should try and see if you can find a Jensen Ackles Brewery and see what his beer's all about. I was just about to say that, but I live in Arkansas, and I freaking hate driving in Texas. Love you guys, <laughs> but you, it sucks to drive there. You're also not a beer fan, but it's okay. <laughs> um, great pick, though, Brittany. We're going to move on to number seven, and I'm going to pick, say, another thing or something like that. But this is the top ten, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, wow, I have a lot of good options here, but I think I am going to pick um, – I'm going to pick Killmonger. Ooh. I felt like doing that because – we saw that really awesome cosplay yesterday, um, which you can find on our Twitter, uh, the Geek Vibes Nation Twitter. It was really cool. This guy, he took the time to make the little scars on his chest and everything. But that's not the costume that I'm talking about. I'm talking about when he essentially becomes his own version of Black Panther, and he has all those gold specks in his outfit. It's not... It's very similar to T'Challa's, but it's also its own. It's distinguishable. And I think obviously AJ has talked about this before, and I've talked about it, that that final fight scene between T'Challa and Killmonger was probably the worst CGI ever. But that one scene when Killmonger um, goes against uh, all the female warriors and his costume kind of just like, spreads on him similar with the nanotechnology to me was just effing amazing and I have to say that I like Killmonger's Black Panther outfit more than T'Challa's Black Panther outfit so for my number seven I'm going to pick Killmonger's Black Panther outfit what do you think Brittany? I definitely agree about the gold I remember when uh, T'Challa is looking at them he actually turns down the gold one because he says it's too uh flashy a little too bold but I remember looking at it I was like god I was like take that one that was great black and gold look amazing and then when you got Killmonger coming out in it I was like oh no he's a badass he looks amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's just another moment of rooting for the bad guys Uh, which brings me to the point that the suits themselves White Panther and his uh, there is something about it I think that it's so form-fitting and it's so bold that it's very uh I guess I could say it, and even the helmet is for it is amazing. Uh, you got the claws in the hands. I think it was very. Uh, I'm trying to find the word for it. It was very. I don't want to say classy. It was just very agile. It, it was very pantherish in the way that you knew he could move around in it. And not to even mention the how it builds up the energy in it and then releases. It was just very neat. And I think especially for Tia's showing me again, I forgot how amazing it is. I love the collar on it again. The golden jaguar suit is, I guess, what it's essentially called. But but I absolutely love it. Um, to me, there's something like primal almost about it, and it looks like dangerous. You know, more so they, more so than say like T'Challa's Black Panther suit. 
but I just absolutely love this costume. And as we know, you were saying that it was a little bit more flashy. And uh, Killmonger was a little flashy. I mean, he always had that fur coat and everything, you know? I was going to say, I think this is the first time I really got a good close-up on the helmet. I didn't realize it has teeth. Yeah, that is way more dramatic. A little more, it's a little scary. It's a little like a... That you, I think it goes to show the opposite of them because in Killmongers you can see its nose a little snarled up. It looks like it on the offensive, while Black Panthers almost look not really intimidating, a little calmer, a little uh, more put together. Which, as we know, they are two opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which I love. I love that you pointed out the opposites. Um, T'Challa is a a little bit more reserved, he's uh, a little more subtle, whereas Killmonger wants to make an impression. He wants to be known. I mean, his freaking name is Killmonger, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. And as uh, you just pointed out, Brittany, we love villains, so that's just kind of our thing right now. I'm pretty sure this entire trip of me being in New York is me and her just fawning over villains and how great they are, which we're like villain apologists, but also on that note, Thanos did nothing wrong. Oh my <laughs> god, listen, you got yelled at for that yesterday on the Geek 5 Live, you're going to yell at it now. No, uh, I can't remember his name offhand, I'm really sorry, but somebody else agreed with me, whoever is sitting next to my right. Oh, Jonas? Yes, Jonas agreed with me. Well, I'm sorry, Jonas. Uh, you were a cool kid, but no. <laughs> but, yeah, that's going to be my number seven. It's going to be Killmonger. So, Brittany, what's your number six? I am going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Deadpool on this. Tia's little victory raise of her arms makes me so happy. Uh, I'm going to go with Deadpool because, as he said, uh, I wear red so that you can't, the bad guys can't see me bleed. (laughs) Oh, no, he says, good idea. (laughs) My bad. But no, Deadpool even has this whole, like, part of the movie dedicated to him slowly putting together that suit and making it better just for the sheer effect of how he can help him, whether or not it be the muffled talking, um, whether or not it be having to get the stains out of it because it's not red. And as we know, he can't die, so he's got a lot of blood coming out of him at that (laughs) point. But uh, I think what's also great is that the eyes themselves are so expressive that even that for the if you're not for Ryan Reynolds, he's such a pretty guy, and you would think, oh, he's got his face covered up, and also his face is messed up. You know, how can he be quite so funny with that mask? But just even those those big white holes of the eyes show so much expression, such a wide variation of uh, I guess just expressions. But <laughs> but I love it. Um, I love that his helmet. Well, mask. Almost looks like a little ghost. It got a little like tip on the top of it. Very cute. Um, I like that he has his swords. It is very form fitting. I think that's been a common theme with heroes lately. You're like, well, how are they going to be protected? Uh, you know, they are so form fitting. But when you got a uh, vibranium for one, and also a man that can't die on the other, I mean, what else do they need for a thicker costume? 
Yeah, I love Deadpool's costume. That's another one that they did so well. And um, for Fox, man, <laughs> Fox did a really good job with that one. Uh, again, the red isn't too red. It's tactical looking. Tactical, I think, is the word. I'm going to go with that one. I think it's a dark enough red for the blood. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, no, I love it. I love the uh, crisscross swords on the back. As you said, the little tip in the back of his head is great. Um, I think it's a really good costume. And as you said, with the eyes, so expressive. I mean, that's always, I think, maybe the challenge is when you have these uh, certain superheroes that completely cover themselves for them to somehow find some way to still be expressive so that you know what they're thinking, you know how they feel in that moment. I think it's awesome. And I like that they kept the white eyes because that happens a lot with uh, superheroes wearing, say, the cartoons and the comic books where they have white eyes, black eyes, whatever. Um, They don't always do that in live-action capacity, so I love that they were able to do that with Deadpool. I I guess what I would say more about Deadpool is that uh, I think definitely for – a character that can't quite die, you would think, well, why does he even need a costume? But at least it's nice for him to have one just to be like, okay, we know what you are. More of just the signs of bad guys of, hey, I'm coming, look at me. If you want to see me without the mask, I'm equally as terrifying. Well, I also think it's a thing that he has to have all of his swords, he has to have all of his equipment with him. That's very important. And the fact that, I don't know, I just, uh, obviously Wade Wilson takes a lot of things in jest and he's very sarcastic, he's very jokey, but I also think that there is obviously the part of him that doesn't like the fact that he's completely scarred up and doesn't want to show it all the time, you know, I mean, we saw people turning their heads away from him and all of that, so if anything, you know, I don't know. I don't know why Wade Wilson feels the need to wear a costume other than the fact that he's a superhero and that's what they do. You know, you made a great point about uh, how much he hates the way he looks, and I forgot that that's probably a big reason to cover himself up. But I'm also uh, thinking, because when he's out of costume, he still, you know, has his hood up. He still wants to hide himself. But it brings me to, does he not want the bad guys to see how ugly he is? But I'm sure Deadpool would make a joke about how he wants to screw the villain, so he has to make a good impression with the way he looks. <laughs> I love that. Wade Wilson is great. I am, sorry. <coughs> so that probably sounded terrible sounding into the mic. My bad. <laughs> uh, that's probably a really, like, Ryan Reynolds, uh, I got off topic there in my head, but I'm really happy that Disney sees how popular Deadpool is. I mean, it might be a little difficult, but I know there are plans. But, like, Disney still has it. Like, yes, we are keeping Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how they're going to plan on introducing him. But, holy shit, it needs to it needs to be good. It's, it's going to be great. And I hope that they keep the costume. Um, Disney does a real, Marvel, Disney, whatever, they do a really good job in their costumes, I think. Uh, the only person I have to say that I never really liked their costume was Scarlet Witch. But uh, yeah, sorry, you were going to say something? I was going to say that uh, I feel like if Deadpool does come into the main universe, he's going to have some kind of joke. <laughs> like, well, I guess uh, Spunkin, but that was a pretty good deal. <laughs> 
It's like, hey, you guys don't know all these other people. Oh, I was the only one who made the cut. All right. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, if anything, I think that's a good uh, time to introduce, say, Deadpool would be in the next Spider-Man movie, which is coming in 2021. And I believe that Ryan Reynolds is going to wait. I mean, he, you know, was in that terrible Wolverine Origins movie, and he still, like, kept it there, determined that he was going to be Deadpool again. So I think that Ryan Reynolds wouldn't have any problem waiting to, say, 2021 to be in the next Spider-Man movie. I like there's going to be some kind of joke about Josh Brolin, who plays Thanos, <laughs> who also plays Thanos. I, I feel like that's going to be a, a little bit of an issue, but hopefully they'll realize, hey, big and purple is a big enough like difference to not just throw cable away for the universe. Well, I mean, don't you remember in Deadpool? You saw Deadpool too, right? Of course. All right, well, he made plenty of Thanos jokes in that Cable, so I think that would be perfectly fine if they introduced Cable into all of that. Uh, there would be a joke, and he'd be like, hey, your face, uh, didn't it used to have a purple tint to it? And he'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? Didn't you used to have balls on your chest? <laughs> oh, my God. Love it, love it. Um, So, Brittany, I absolutely love uh, your choice of Deadpool being number six. I'm going to pick the number five slot. And this is a specific one. It's not going to be in general. I mean, all of his outfits were great, but I am picking Captain America in the Winter Soldier just because, I don't know, there's something about that costume in uh, in that movie particular. I like Captain America's costumes for the most part. I have to say my least favorite one was probably Captain America in the first Avengers, but um, and they were all, but besides that, they were all good. But in The Winter Soldier, I liked how blue it was. I liked how it was a lot more sleek. It was a lot more subtle almost, but very, I don't know, it just fit the tone of that movie. It made Captain America look effing great. Um, I, to me, it was just a better costume than, say, well, yeah, Brittany has picked it up on her on her phone, and I just love, say, like, the white stripes on his chest and the uh, the white star there. It was just, like, a really good costume to me. It wasn't too standout-ish, and in The Winter Soldier, we see that Cap is working more so with S.H.I.E.L.D., which is, you know, a covert spy movie, pretty much, in a covert spy organization, so he can't necessarily have this bright blue costume with red everywhere and the stripes everywhere like he had, like the American stripes like he had, say, in the first Avengers movie, and to me, but that is just my all-time favorite Captain America costume, um, more so than, say, we saw in the first Avenger, in Civil War, in uh, uh, Endgame. To me, love uh, this. You know me. I love the Winter Soldier movie in general, so A+. Plus, A+. Plus. <laughs> I think that's what it is about it, is that it looks a lot less campy. And as for, you know, as we add in uh, the first Avengers or in the first Captain America, you know, even though it still looked great, it still leaned heavily on the World War II uh, aesthetic from the comics where, you know, big wings on the side and looking very flashy, which is understandable back then. But what I think I like about the Winter Soldier one so much is that it's all, it's very still. 
it's very uh, black odds. Uh, that darker blue is a lot less uh, evident. It's it's a whole lot less flashy, a little more intimidating in a way. I think it's very uh, classic for the time period that we are in right now. But I think what it is, well, that man is shaped like a Dorito. <laughs> and that suit is doing him all of it. He even brought up um, every costume that he's had so far. And it's like with uh, with uh, the world, when he was in World War II with uh, Captain America, the first one, you know, he had his uh, bomber jacket on, the pants. It was less of a costume, I think. It, you know, he still had the shield, but it was a different kind of shield. Uh, he had the World War II helmet. Then you lead into the first. What, this one is the first Avengers. That's the first Avengers. I was like, wait a second. Here's all this stuff. Very blue, very bright, very uh, colorful. Not exactly the aesthetic that we have now. And honestly, looking back at it, Tia is right. The Winter Soldier, I think, had a different aesthetic as a whole to it, about being a little grungier, a little more... Uh, covert ops on it so it's not as flashy i really think his costume does a lot of favors with not having the red and white um all he's just got a really red and white stomach looking back well yeah and i love what you said covert ops there we see him and black widow in the winter soldier trying to sneak upon a ship and obviously you don't need to have those flashy red and white stripes everywhere. He obviously gets them back in Civil War and in Endgame. Um, he didn't really have the costume per se in Infinity War. If you notice, he took the Avengers uh, symbol off. He took the star off just because obviously he was in hiding. But to me, I loved the Winter Soldier version of his costume. I, again, honestly, I did like his costume and all that, except for the first Avengers movie. I feel like they tried to be a little too outside the box there, and it just didn't end up looking good. And I'm glad that they decided to go back to more of his traditional, but also making changes here and there. I think it's also, uh, with us coming back from New York Comic Con, Every cosplay I saw of Captain America was great. It was one of those costumes that people can, even she had said like, yes. It, it's one of those that people can play off well. You can wear it well. It's form-fitting. It's not one of those costumes that when people do, you're like, oh, well, what do they do? Which, not that I've ever thought that way before, as she laughs at me. But uh, it was very, it's very intimidating. It's a great costume where people can, it's an eye catcher. I think I stopped and took the taken. I took a picture with at least like three Captain Americas because of course Captain Marvel had to go take a picture with Captain America. It was great. I love the costume. I, I, I'm really, well, I was going to say, we're not going to get any more costumes of Captain America. And that kind of makes me sad, but I guess he's shown his light. I mean, to be fair, he was, what, in all three Avengers in Civil War, all three of his movies that, you know, actually, no, uh, not three Avengers, four Avengers movies. So we've seen a lot of a Captain America, and I don't know. I don't know if he'll ever pop back up. I know that Chris Evans said that he was done, but... Robert Downey Jr. also said that he was done after Endgame, and there are rumors that he might pop up in the Black Widow movie. So who knows? Maybe a nice little kid. Maybe he's done playing it, say, full-time, but he wouldn't be adverse to uh, cameos. If he doesn't show up, we riot. 
See, that's the thing, though. Um, we had this discussion on one of the Geek Lives Live, and it's like, is it actually a good idea to pop uh, Robert Downey Jr. in the Black Widow movie? Because, he, you know, he was the selling point, say, for Spider-Man Homecoming. But I think that they did a perfect job in Spider-Man Homecoming with him. I think that if they bring him in, it's just going to be a short scene with maybe uh, the end. Because the Black Widow movie is going to take place after Civil War. So it could be something right in the beginning of maybe Tony and, uh, you know, Natasha talking where Tony's saying, you know, you need to run because you betrayed my side. This makes you a fugitive. You're wanted because then we obviously see that, Black Widow, Cap, and Falcon were on the run, and that's where we hit them back up in Infinity War. So it could be just like a two-second thing in the beginning. I wonder if they're afraid. Even though uh, I think it's kind of like Loki. Loki was the biggest villain, so every time they're like, oh, sprinkle a little bit of Loki in, it'll make it better. It's like uh, salt. I was going to say salt, but, you know, that's not always the case. But on another hand, I think they're afraid of making Tony too much as the escape goat. I get what you mean. Yeah, I think that um, we've seen a lot within the last 10 years that a lot of villains have uh, Tony Stark as a motive, and I think they're trying to get away from that. Um, so I think that, I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm hoping that Captain America shows up in something. I mean, they're going to have a Falcon and Winter Soldier show, which I know is going to take place after Endgame, but hey, who knows? And I mean, Captain America isn't dead. He's just old. Like, <laughs> like oh, okay, the shield. He looks in great shape. He has the serum. He uh, and he's gone. And he's gone. Oh, Captain America. I guess R.I.P. <laughs> but yeah, that is my pick. And um, Brittany, we're gonna go back to you from the number four slot. What is your pick? You know, I had uh, others picked for this, but I think sitting back. I think there's few as iconic as Bane. I, I think you sit there and you go, Bane, okay. My brain doesn't instantly go to the comics. It makes me go to the Dark Knight Rise. Was it Rises or Rising? Rises. Uh, rises. I think it's great because you instantly think of that mask on his face. And it got me thinking with Deadpool about, you think about expression. He did that with half of his face covered and only his eyes. Once again, he had nothing that was really moving, but everybody knows the voice behind the mask and that big intimidating coat and the vest underneath and knowing that that those little poses on the mask are what's pumping that pain medicine in him because he's so in pain constantly. But I think it. I think whenever that movie came out, I think everybody for Halloween was playing him. I think, oh, I saw one at New York Comic Con. That was so iconic that everybody was like, man, I want to get big like Bane. I want to be intimidating. I want that costume, that big coat. I think it is a great one. And I think it's part of the reason why it's like nobody cared who I was until I put on the mask. (laughs) But uh, I think that's how it is with Bane. It's very like, uh, trying to think of the word for it. It's very iconic. And I want to tell you, my first Comic-Con that I ever went to, there was like a million things there, like a million. It was crazy. But, yeah, um, everyone knows I love Christopher Nolan's uh, vision for his Batman world, and so I love that. Yes, it's not the luchador mask that people are 
used to or anything, but I like the creative liberties that Christopher Nolan took. I think that it looked freaking awesome, like, and just the practicality of it to have where it's a pain medication being pumped in, and it's something that is very intimidating. I mean, you see a guy walking around with this mask on, and it almost, you know what it almost looks like? It almost looks like a muzzle. Like, it looks like a muzzle, and it's it's just so good. I love that shit, and I love that you picked Bane just because it is so simple. It's the mask, but it's also the coat. It's also uh, the armor that he was wearing on his top half. I think that it was just a really good freaking outfit. I, I, I always think back to, uh, you know, Lawless came out after <laughs> that, and we always talk about, you know, he's so massive in that, and that big coat does him all the favors of looking gigantic. But when he played in Lawless, um, Tom Hardy, and they're like, oh, you're too big because you're supposed to be playing kind of a skinny guy. We'll cover you up with cardigans and sweaters. No opposite effect. He looks like twice as big. He looks like a like a, a monster. Yeah, he definitely looked bigger. That whole, like, let's put a shit ton of sweaters on him. No, absolutely not. And if anyone has a problem with the creative liberties that Christopher Nolan took for Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, I argue to remind them that the creative liberties that they took in the show Gotham in vain were absolutely fucking horrific. Um, they were terrible. So, yeah, I love Bane. I'm sure that if we get Bane in another capacity, maybe in Matt Reeves' trilogy, I'm sure that it's probably going to be a little bit more comic book accurate. But as far as Christopher Nolan's universe, loved it. I do love it. I do want to see... Uh more of sometimes that comic aesthetic of the big hoses coming out of the back and how much bigger it makes them, but I know it is kind of hard to translate to, uh, I think that's why they did the hoses on the mask, because at least he's not going to shrink like he does in the uh, TV show. Oh, no. He is showing me, it's from uh, the show Gotham. Oh, no. I kind of have no words right now. It's pretty horrific. I I do remember these pictures of Bane from, you said Gotham? Yeah. When uh, Joan and all of us were discussing it, I did not know it was from Gotham. I thought it was from, like, uh, Hellboy or something. <laughs> I did not know it was from. It's pretty bad. Um, he looks like something out of the Terminator. Yeah, so anyone who has a problem with Tom Hardy's rendition of Bane, at least the way he looked, um, Gotham did it worse. So <laughs> just putting it out and saying it there. But yeah, I love that you picked Bane. Um, it's funny, I was kind of thinking about Bane. I didn't know if I wanted to put him or not, but I thought that uh, I-, I love Christopher Nolan's entire uh, trilogy. I would argue that I loved Christian Bale's Batman costume a shit ton more than I like Ben Affleck's version of Batman. But in general, in acting wise and in costume wise. We do not weep over Ben Affleck leaving. Nope, and Juwan does. Juwan still is weeping over Ben Affleck leaving. And to me, I probably threw a parade, a celebration. It's a national holiday to me. Uh, Ben Affleck said that he was no longer Bruce Wayne or Batman. I'm pretty sure the calendar that Tia has in the kitchen, if I flip to it, I would legitimately see it written on there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great. I hope that Matt Reeves does an amazing job with Robert Pattinson's Batman. I think so. Um, I'm 
you know, again, I always tell people, if you asked me five years ago if I'd be happy with Robert Pattinson playing Bruce Wayne, I'd laugh at you and say that it was worse than Ben Affleck, but um, Mr. Pattinson has proven himself to be a really good actor in these years, and even he hates Twilight, so you know what? I'm here, I'm rooting for it, and I'm in a lot more of an optimistic mood than I ever was with Ben Affleck playing him. Robert Pattinson is like, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> Listen, it, it, it's great. I hope that this uh, helps his career and helps the stigma against him that he had in Twilight. Because, again, as I said, even he hates the fact that he played Edward. I just want him to wash his hair. I hope he's gotten over that face in his life. Oh, God, like, does he have, like, really greasy hair or something like that? He is one of those people that doesn't believe in, like, I don't know if he doesn't believe in washing himself or doesn't believe in washing his hair. And I know at least it was the hair part. He hadn't washed it in, like, months. And so that's why I'm like, please wash your hair. Now I just feel bad for any actress who has to play a love scene with him. <laughs> for me, he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, Brittany, great pick uh, for the number four for Bane. As again, as I said, we're trucking along. Apparently, we do this faster when we do it in person. Um, but yeah, or maybe it's just the subject. I don't know, but I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> so number four is Bane, and I will pick the number three. And I have who did I check off here? Oh yeah, um, I'm gonna put Hella. I'm gonna put Hella. We should put a woman down on this because uh, we are both say women, and that's how we roll here. But um. To me, first of all, you have Kate uh, Blanchett, who is absolutely gorgeous, and she plays Hela, who, to me, was a villain who I would love to see again, um, because I just don't think that she got a proper end, and it's sad that if she was one of, because th- this is the thing, Marvel has this problem with their villains, that they always do say, like, one-offs, they only want to put them in for one movie and then kill him off, but Hella was just so good. And, and I just love her costume. The fact that, uh, first of all, that crown. I remember when the Thor Ragnarok trailer first released, and the shot that always got me was just, like, it was from, like, the bottom, and it was looking up at Hella as she kind of, like, turned her head, and she had those big thorn spikes coming out of her, out of her head, and it was just so imposing and intimidating and we don't often get that with female superheroes villains or whatever you know it's always the guy who's very intimidating but to me Hella's always was intimidating that black suit with all that green lineage going in on it to me it just it looked amazing um where Bernie and I are staring at a picture right now of it which is actually the good thing about us being in person we can do this right now um, I love Hella's costume. I think that it probably is one of the best supervillain costumes that I've ever seen, and it looked very Loki-ish, which always cracked me up with this whole thing, because obviously the big joke, well, not joke, but, you know, Loki is not biologically related to Thor, but when we meet Hella, she looks like Loki. She looks exactly like Loki. And then she even says to Thor, she's like, you don't look like him. And then Loki says something, and Hella goes, you sound like him. And it's like, is Thor actually the adopted one? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so definitely going to pick Hella as my number three. 
I was just about to say, uh, Loki's like, you're jacking my swag. They're <laughs> looking at it, especially like this, the black and the green. It is an amazing uh, costume. I love it. I think the one thing that instantly takes your attention is that, uh, is, is it a crown, the helmet, the thorns? They look wild. I, it's very uh, spider-esque, like she's going to bite your head off. But um, to go along with the costume, her makeup is incredible. It, that smokiness, she definitely looks like a villain. She's giving me some, like, Maleficent vibes. That's wonderful. Definitely a Maleficent-esque character. Yeah, I love the eye makeup that's going on here. And as I said, I love the way um, her costume kind of transforms on her. She always, like, flips her hands back, and then you see, like, it kind of happening. Uh, I just love this uh, costume. And, I mean, we're getting a fourth Thor um, I would love for Hela to come back, honestly, or in some sort of capacity. Um, she, we obviously saw it incredibly strong. I mean, obviously, we saw Asgard blow up, but who the hell knows that? We didn't see her die. We never saw her die. And as we know with the Asgardians, if you don't see them die, there's a fair chance that <laughs> Well, you know, that actually, though, makes me a little sad because we did see Loki die in Infinity War. And, you know, we have, if we think about this, Brittany, in Thor 4, Thor Love and Thunder, I should call it, this would be the first Thor movie without Loki. He's been in every Thor movie. I mean, that's a little little crazy. I mean, we're getting a Loki uh, show on Disney+, Plus, but they never said anything if he's actually returning for Thor Love and Thunder. That's a good point. I know that he's getting his own TV show, correct? Well, yes, on the Disney Plus the streaming service, Loki is getting his own show, but this Loki is going to derive from the Loki that we saw in Endgame where he disappears with the Tesseract, and it's going to be following that Loki. So if you think about it, the Loki that disappeared with the Tesseract is um, a branch off from the first Avengers movie. So this is a Loki that never dealt with uh, Thor Dark World, which, you know, good for him. I can barely get through that movie rewatching it. But also a Loki that never dealt with Thor Ragnarok, so never had that rekindling of a brotherly relationship with Thor, never went through what he went through in Infinity War. So it's going to be interesting to see this version of Loki. It does make me wonder if they're going to do more of a uh, humorous, version with him like it's like what aesthetic are they going to make for him in this is he is it him just trying to survive on earth is he going somewhere else where is he going what is he doing i think it's gonna be a darker loki honestly because think about loki in the first avengers he was obviously getting tortured and (laughs) he was obviously getting tortured by the chitauri he is in fear of being found by thanos um you know, he looked distressed in that. It's uh, To me, I think it's going to be more of a, what we saw in the first Thor and what we saw in the first Avengers. I don't think that it's going to be more of a kidding around Loki like we saw in Thor Ragnarok. I do... I am good with that. It's also going to make me a little sad because I do feel bad that Loki did have such a development in the movies that we... It's kind of like uh, writing a story and then getting the last few chapters burned, but at least there's no death at the end of it. So I guess we got to take it as it is. 
That is true, but it, it's just sad. It's like to Thor, because um, Thor didn't go back, you know, with Tony and Cass. So the last time Thor saw Loki was um, when he was killed by Thanos. And remember, Thor always says, you know, well, he's been dead before. He always comes back. And it's like this time he's probably, it's probably going to, Thor, Love and Thunder is probably going to be Thor dealing with the emotions finally that Loki is not around. Oh, what if they did a um, a post-credit scene and Loki shows back up, but it's the Loki from 2012. And Thor's all, all like, Loki, and Loki's like, I'm going to stab you. <laughs> It is interesting. It opens up so much that are we moving away from movies. Uh, you got a lot of big-name actors in these TV shows coming out. You have Tom Hiddleston coming back for that Loki. Does that mean that eventually you know, all movies, all TV shows are going to go straight to Disney Plus? Well, the thing is, Brittany, with Disney Plus is that um, it gives, first of all, the Marvel uh, studio more room to explore other people's uh, stories. Because, you know, with movies, they can't put out, you know, six, seven movies a year. They can only put out three. But instead of waiting a shit ton of years, because they're introducing more characters. So if you wait for movies, you're going to be waiting years. But then these shows are going to be canon. They take place in the MCU. They're going to be true to that whole lineage and timeline. So if anything, it gives them more freedom to work on these characters. We're getting a Loki show. Winter Soldier and Falcon show, a Scarlet Witch and Vision show, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Hawkeye. They're coming out with all of these shows, and they're all going to be exploring these certain characters. They're only going to be about six episodes each, and they all have the budget that a movie would actually have. So, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but, like, the Loki show and, like, the Winter Soldier and Falcon, they have, like, millions of dollars as their budgets. They are the budgets of actual movies. I just want a whole show dedicated to the Red Guardian, and I would be entirely happy. David <laughs> Harper has to be there. Listen, we're God. I, this is a we. I've been hearing rumors, but I don't know. This has to be taken with a grain of salt, and I'm not going to shout out the outlet that did it. But the outlet that has this rumor is very much a rumor-heavy outlet, and they're not always right. They're kind of wrong most of the time, so I'm not going to say their name, but they did say that David Harbour has signed up for multiple movies. I mean, they could always do, but I don't know how true it is. I don't know how true it is. It could just all be rumor and all be like fluff and, or people just hoping, but let's just say they do a Black Widow movie, right? And it's with Scarlett Johansson, but Scarlett Johansson's done after this. This is it, but she's not the only Black Widow. They're introducing Yelena, who's another version of Black Widow. What if she's popular enough that people want to see more of her? So you, you can continue having a Black Widow trilogy, just not with Natasha in it, and still incorporate Red Guardian. I need this outlet to have a uh, broken clock type situation where they can be right at least twice. <laughs> because that would be amazing, and it would open up for it. We have had a... Um, the Red Guardian is supposed to be someone who's basically used up. Why can't he do a Black Widow and become a good guy? Why can't he go do something? Or if he's going to be a villain, let him be a villain. But I need more of him. <laughs> I haven't even met him yet, and I need him. 
that's just because we love David Harbour. I spent this whole time showing Brittany uh, Jim Hopper from Stranger Things. So we're on that David Harbour train. So, yeah. But back to the task at hand. <laughs> this was Hella's choice, and I absolutely love Hella. So that's my number three. Brittany, you have your number two. This is your last spot for the top ten. So I hope you make it good. <laughs> goes hide under the couch that we're sitting next to. <laughs> I am going to go with who I cosplayed as. For the fact that I did like this costume so much, say what you will about the movie, but I love Captain Marvel. It's, it's funny, we actually have it going on in the background, and it's where this little girl is cycling through all the different uh, color palettes for the costume. I think the aesthetic of it's great, the star in the middle, it's very form-fitting, uh, the gauntlets on the side. I am obsessed with the star in the middle, that little Nova star right there, but the colors are amazing. They're rich, they're red, they're gold. I, everybody's a little bit red and blue in this, very uh, patriotic, <laughs> they just throw some white in there, but... Uh, it is a great costume. I know the movie had its issues, but I feel like the main selling point is the costume. She is a soldier. She does have that, but it's mostly her fist. So if she doesn't have to have all the uh, crazy little she, – she doesn't have to have a Batman suit. She doesn't have to have something bulky. But it is nice that it is a very clean cut, very, uh, very militaristic in a way type. Uniform. It was the uniform. Yeah, I loved Captain Marvel's uh, uniform. You know, say what you will about the movie. This is my problem. <laughs> Just a little tangent because we have time. Um, I didn't mind the movie. It had its faults, and it certainly could be polished up. What made me go back and have certain sort of feelings about the movie is how little she was in Endgame. Because they brought in Captain Marvel the movie, and everyone was like, what's the point of the prequel? It's like, well, it's here to introduce you to this character because she is going to be so important in Endgame. And yes, she was a badass for the scenes that she had. She helped rescue Tony. She came in on the clutch and destroyed Thanos' ship. But there was literally no none of her. She was probably in five minutes of the movie, and it's like, okay, then I look back at the Captain Marvel movie, and I was like, what was the point of this? Um, I wish he had been in it more, or that they had introduced Captain, first of all, they should have introduced Captain Marvel way earlier. Just like the Black Widow movie, this shit should have been years ago. But regardless of that, um, I loved her costume. Um, I thought it was a beautiful finish. The funniest thing to me is that when we saw the set photos and she's in that green Cree uh, uniform and everyone freaked out and they're like, where's the the blue and red uh, costume and it's like you saw the movie and you're like yeah it's there and it was awesome seeing it I mean her deciding that she's going to be on her own and stray away from the Cree colors and had done this uh, you know as you said very patriotic but that's who Carol Danvers is she was in the Air Force um, at a time when not many women were in the military and it was awesome to see her like that it was It was, and I love, first of all, that 
it's not a skimpy little costume. It's not, you know, there's no skirt or anything like that. There's no low cut or anything. It's just her in this, like, form-fitting costume that, you know, uh, I guess covers all of her pretty much. And it's, it's tactical and it's protective, and that's the whole point of it because she is a badass fighting battle. And it's, like, uh, two points to make, which that's why it makes me a little sad when it does go to show how much that female superheroes are scrutinized because there were so many set pictures where they're, like, her butt looks terrible in that costume off the set pictures and, oh, it's flat and this looks awful and this and that or, you know, it doesn't look that great and it's normally because they want it to be a certain way. Uh, I understand where if you have a male character, if they want them to be a little tougher, they do face criticism like that. But don't go on about her butt for it. But um, I'll go back to about what was the sense of Captain Marvel being in there. I think they started to realize that she was way too overpowered. She was like the trump card, and she was just thrown out there to take care of the big stuff, but not really have much of a role in doing much else uh, besides headbutting Thanos (laughs) but uh, or being headbutted by Thanos but uh, I I think the movie would have fit in very well before Guardians of the Galaxy because you had kind of a lead up to what and who Ronan was and why he was such a scary thing and kind of like the madness he fell into that you see that difference for it but I guess either way it would be fine. But uh, poor Fury's eye. <laughs> yeah, poor Fury's eye. And that goes to what we were talking about yesterday on Geek Five Live. That you know I had said during the uh, the, fan- the original Fantastic Four uh, movies with Jessica Alba, um, where they told her to cry prettier. And, you know, women, obviously, in superhero capacities face a lot of scrutiny. Um, And the fact that people have to concentrate on how her ass looked in her costume. Like, who cares? She's, you know, kicking ass and taking names. You know, why is that such a thing? Um, And and it just goes to show you, I mean, this is how uh, this kind of uh, male-driven genre kind of deals with. I mean, you know, girls are into superheroes and we're getting louder about being into superheroes and there is a collection I'm not going to say all men obviously but you know a collection of uh, fans who don't like seeing that and they feel threatened by it. It makes me think of that uh, song where it's like let's generalize about men it's like very uh, very funny but and obviously it isn't all of them but it is wild that if anybody disagrees, go on Twitter for a hot minute and go through those comments and you'll see what we mean about any time there is a female character come out or her first costume come out. The the trolls come out, which that happens a lot with women too, but it is particularly rough with the female costumes. Oh, I mean, that whole movie, Captain Marvel, was completely overrun by trolls. I mean, they completely decided to bomb Rotten Tomatoes just for the simple fact that they didn't like that they were introducing this character who was, you know, obviously extremely powerful. Um, And, yes, that is sometimes the problem. You introduce this character, and in Captain Marvel, you made her so effing strong that it's like, 
what was even the point of any of the other Avengers when you have someone like Captain Marvel in your pocket. But I loved her. Um, I hope that we get to see more of Captain Marvel in the future. Um, I hope that it's not one of those things where they – I don't want to see them waste a character like her so irresponsibly, you know what I'm saying? Um, And I loved her costume. I do want to say I I think I liked her costume more in Captain Marvel than I did in Endgame. There was a little variation in Endgame, and I I don't know, for some reason liked her Captain Marvel uh, costume more than Endgame. I think looking back on it, I think if I remember correctly, in Endgame it's a little more plasticky looking, while in this one it's more of like a fabric. It's a very deep, rich color to it. And that's actually part of the reason when even looking at the cosplays, I ended up, uh, there was two different versions, one for uh, from the Captain Marvel uh, movie and then one from the Endgame movie. And I actually picked the Captain Marvel one because it looked better. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to say it, that it looked a little more plasticky and shit like that. So I agree. Um, I really like her costume. Um yeah, I think this is a great pick, and obviously you had to pick it considering you were Captain Marvel yesterday. It would only make sense. It would have been a little bit of a waste if you hadn't. So, awesome, awesome. Um, all right, Brittany, we are down to the number one, and as usual, I always name off uh, our list so far, so let's get to it. Um, <laughs> we have for number 10, the Daredevil from the Netflix series. We have number nine, Dick Grayson as Robin on DC Universe. We have number eight, Red Hood. Number seven, Killmonger. Number six, Deadpool. Number five, Captain America from the Winter Soldier. Uh, four, we have Bane from the Dark Knight Rises. Three, we have Hella. Two, we have Captain Marvel from the Captain Marvel movie, obviously. Uh, I'm just going to try and write this, but, but all right, so number one, I'm picking, and I have to pick because I was completely impressed by this costume from the trailer alone and then seeing the movie. I think that is one of the best costumes that Marvel has done and has put out in their whole repertoire here, but it has to be Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home because Holy shit, that is one impressive-ass costume. I mean, everything about it is just absolutely beautiful. Um, just uh, Sorry, Brittany, I'm going to pick a little bit of a different uh, picture just to kind of stare at for a second. <laughs> but all right, and I think someone even mentioned, what was it, Flash mentioned it in uh, in the movie? It's like, it's like a uh mixture between Thor and uh, Doctor Strange or some shit like that. But it's so good. Look at the detail. I mean, I know that you as the audience can't see, but look it up on your phone right now. Um, the fact that you have, like, this armor going on and that red cape and the way that you see the blue light kind of shining into it. I mean, it is just such an impressively well-done costume. And one of my favorite things about what Marvel does is most of their shit, um, is practical. Someone made this costume. A costume department sat down and actually made this costume. This is not a CGI costume. This is uh, an outfit that they put in. Obviously, the helmet is up. Uh, for anyone who's listening, listen to the sounds of Yonkers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I-, I love it. Even the fishbowl looks good. I mean, something that could have been a complete joke um, and something that looked honestly ridiculous sometimes in the comics. Even looked 
good. To me, I like this shit. The fact that it almost looks a little foggy underneath the bowl, um, covers his face completely. This is just a great costume. Um, again, as I said, when they first showed it in the trailer, I was like, this is like one of the best looking costumes. Uh, to me, I, I think it is even better than, say, Captain America's, better than Iron Man's, even better than Thor's. Um, and, and I will say I love Thor's costume in uh, Thor Ragnarok and uh, Infinity War and such. And even, uh, all right, going to throw this out there, I love Thor's costume in Endgame in the final scene when his beard got all braided and shit like that. Um, but uh, to me, this Mysterio costume is even better than all of those. As much as I loved all of those costumes, it's so good. Um, and I'm going to stop yapping about it for a second and hand the mic over to Brittany. What I was going to say really quick is that I was so excited about it is I'm looking at it and I kind of hit an epiphany, which I think, you know, as much as we're like, oh, it kind of looks like Thor, it kind of looks like Doctor Strange, I think that's the point of it. He carefully cultivated this character for people to believe in, and I think that he just took different pieces of the Avengers to try to emulate to the people, like, oh, he, see, you know, it's something to believe in, because the cape, I even sat there, I was like, well, where is, uh, where is, Iron Man in it. Well, you have the blue glowing in it. And then I sat and thought about it. I was like, you have the globe covering his face that he can take off and show himself. There's the reveal. He has the green of the smoke coming out of his hands when he does things. Hulk, Thor, all of it's a little bit there. And even his hair, he's got it carefully swooped to the side the most of the time, kind of like Chris Evans, Captain America. So it is all about that image, and as we've seen, that's what he wanted to be. Um, Tia's even looking at that picture right there. It looks just like Captain America's hair, kind of like uh, Iron Man's, too. He's just very carefully cultivated. do love the costume. It is, like, almost futuristic, a little knight-like, too, with, like, the kind of chain mail on the arms. He's all cultivated to look very heroic, look like this image. But, uh, yeah, I agree. I do like the fish globe. I think it is very, uh, dare I say it, mysterious. Uh, that, that was corny as hell. But <laughs> no, I like the chain mail, like as you said, because, um, you know, that was very much like, say, Captain America's outfit in Endgame. And, I like kind of where we're going with this because with Mysterio, it was all an illusion. It was all uh, just something to trick people. And I think that picking all these pieces from other superheroes, and, and he wanted to be the hero. He wanted to create the narrative for himself that he was the hero, so he had to look like those that people are so, you know, obsessed with and pressed with and all of that. And I, I don't know, this is just such a good costume, like A-plus for the costume department. I don't know if Spider-Man Far From Home is going to get, like, a costume department nod, but I feel like they at least should get something because this is just such a well-done costume. I agree. I do say, love that it does look – it's very handmade looking, very uh, – Couture. Oh, <laughs> it's something I would like to see down the uh, down the catwalk. But um, 
I do think it's great. Uh, even people just looking at it show you could tell how much they loved it. Uh, I do think it does make me think of the no cape thing. Like, I, I, I thought, oh, yeah, it's going to look so much better. It's going to look great. Uh, love the glow to it. I even kind of like what he looks like out of the costume with, like, uh, the stuff set up around him to carefully uh, – Oh, oh, the um, the mocap uh, outfit that he had. Yeah, that was great. I love that. Um, because he's an illusionist. This is not something that was just specifically done for the movie. He, you know, in the comics has always been an illusionist. So I love that. Like, cause all right, I, I said that most of these costumes are practical, but some like some of the, uh, uh, you know, suits are mocaps and. So almost like that's almost meta. It was almost like breaking the fourth wall, you know, is what he was doing there with that. And I loved it. Um, and it makes sense with the cape because he didn't really have the cape. Like he wasn't really fighting, so it's like he didn't need to be concerned about the cape being caught on anything because he wasn't fighting. It was just all illusions, you know. So I, I loved uh, the Mysterio costume. I thought it was just freaking awesome. But what's not an illusion is how fat Jake Gyllenhaal is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and the fact that, you know, that, that was probably just a one-off, um, uh, which sucks. But from what I've heard, Jake Gyllenhaal is very much like that. He just likes coming in, doing his role, and leaving out the uh, the back door. Um, and scene, yeah. Um, but considering we have uh, Spider-Man back in the MCU, and we're going to get a third one. This is the perfect opportunity for them to do the Sinister Six, which uh, Mysterio and Vulture are very much parts of. So who knows? Maybe uh, they'll throw a shit ton of money Jake Gyllenhaal's way, and he'll be willing to come back in uh, 2021. I just want to see the Vulture again. I loved him. I know, I know. I hated that all those rumors of him being in Far From Home were untrue which was another thing about that one news outlet. Anyway, let me stop. Uh, uh, Brittany, while we have a little bit of time, I'm just going to name off some of the honorable mentions that I have. We don't have to spend too much time on these. I'm just going to kind of go through the list. But uh, as I said before, I had Thor from Thor Ragnarok, Love the Short Hair, uh, Loki from Avengers 1, The Wasps, uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Spider. I loved uh, Spider-Man's little iron suit. Um, I just love that so much. Uh, I had Bane, actually. And I had Batman from the Christopher Nolan universe. So, yeah, those are my honorable mentions. And, uh, all right, Brittany, what are yours? Uh, I had two, and they're both from the same thing, uh, The Boys. I love Homelander. He's such a mix of, like, Superman, every heroic uh, cape-wearing crusaders. But he was very patriotic, and he goes back to Mysterio, very cultivated for the image of America. But uh, <laughs> very star-spangled. I love the stars. Like yeah. I believe it's like on the inside of the cape, which you think oh, it's not on the outside. It's like no, to frame him with the stars. But with, speaking of stars, Starlight. <laughs> I, I loved her original costume. It was adorable. Her little dress, and it was very like. She's sitting there wanting to be a hero. She is very much a naive woman. I won't call her a girl because she is a woman, a lady. But even her uh, her little dress, her she had the cape, her headband, and how much she didn't want to wear the tight, uh, very revealing costume. But uh, speaking of, like, what to you was 
just showing me is that he there he looks like Captain America too. Even Winter Soldierish, if you look at his chest, that kind of matte black uh, form fitting, which I'm pretty sure, yeah, you can see his ribs straight. That ribs his abs straight <laughs> through that. I just wanted to say really quick, you know, and I I will agree with some people. AJ and I spoke about it when we did the review for the boys in the top ten. Is that uh. It is, you know, a lot of the stuff on the boys is a little cosplayish, but I think that, you know, is um, on purpose. Very much kind of like the Watchmen, where these characters are more so, um, what you call it, commentary and parodies almost of, say, like Marvel and DC satire of Marvel and DC characters, and that's very much what Homelander is. But I loved in the scene in uh, the boys when Homelander kind of says, "Remember." you wanted to give me a red cape, and I said it needed to be a striped cape because he is very much wants to give the whole patriotic feel and all of that and star-spangled, but uh, because it is all a ruse pretty much uh, to get people to feel comfortable around him when he is, in fact, a giant asshole. I was going to say, if he had had the red cape... DC would be calling them. They would be tracking them down to like, you still are Superman. And if anything, though, I think um, the boys actually is, uh, you know what, for me, talk for a second. got to look something up. <laughs> I was going to say really quick, uh, are those, I think those are eagles on his shoulders. Yes, yes. And, you know, like, he is trying way too hard to be America right now. He He's like a he is the captain. He is everything patriotic. As for Starlight, I like that she has the white and gold aesthetic, but all I can think about is how dirty that must get. And oh, and she, sorry about that. But uh, how um, I think about how her laundry bill must be very expensive. Dry cleaning, I mean, which we don't have a lot of in Arkansas. I was going to say, um, the boys' comics was originally published by Wildstorm, which is DC Comics now, well, before moving to Dynamite Entertainment. But if DC had a problem, uh, it was originally a DC, uh, you know, property. So there you go. But, uh, Brittany, I think we did an awesome job of going down the list of our favorite costumes by these superheroes and some supervillains. And I think we did a good job of mixing everyone in. Obviously, it was very Marvel-heavy, but hey, what can I say? Marvel does a good job at all that. So <laughs> I'm sure, you know, I'll, I'll throw it out there for people. Aquaman was a Jason Momoa's. Aquaman was a very good costume as well. So no one can get mad at me for favoring Marvel. Mostly because he wasn't wearing a shirt. Well, yeah, that too, obviously. <laughs> um, but, Brittany, we had an awesome time at New York Comic Con. Obviously, we're going to do recaps. We're going to do plenty. Um, obviously, keep a lookout for our live uh, Geek Vibes uh, Nation, Geek Vibe Live. Let's talk about it. But, yeah, we had an awesome time. Um, I loved it. I can't wait for next year's New York Comic Con. It just continues to be the highlight of my year, just it's just so amazing. Um, but, Brittany, please tell everyone where we can find you and what you got going next. going to say, as always, you can find me at Brittany underscore Eagle at both Instagram and Twitter. I'm going to try to try my hand at sewing soon, try to make some own cosplays for any events that may be happening around my neck of the woods. Uh, hopefully, uh, 
to be seeing me a lot more on podcasts, uh, anything kind of geek-related. So uh, you can find me there. It was also great getting to just sit here with Tia and do a podcast, get to uh, basically punch each other in the arm with excitement <laughs> when we love each other's picks. It's a good time. Very uh, hey, You can only imagine sometimes the faces that each other makes when you're doing a podcast, but it was nice getting to see it in person. Yes, I hope that everyone uh, enjoys this kind of unique little setup that we got going on here today. Um, as always, you can find me at geekvibesnation.com where I write articles for. Please follow me on Twitter uh, and Instagram, Tia Fabi, as well as our Geek Vibes Nation social media. Got plenty of podcasts, articles, and all of that coming out. And I really hope that all of you not only enjoyed this podcast, enjoyed Comic-Con, and enjoyed all of the awesome geekiness that we have going on moving forward. This is Tia, this is Brittany, for the Top 10 for Geek Vibes Nation. Hope you all have a good night. Good night.